welcome back to What's in the Cup, the podcast from Georgia Southwestern State University. Uh, my name's Neil Weaver, and always glad to welcome everyone to a Friday afternoon to talk a little bit about what's happening at the university, both what's been going on this week, some of the things that happened in my world uh, that I get to uh, be a part of and listen to, but also about what's happening here on campus. We uh, are always excited to have guests on to talk to us about some of their activities. And today, uh, it is really my pleasure to welcome uh, Royce Hackett, our uh, man in charge of IT all across campus to uh, join us today and continue the discussion that we started earlier today about campus IT infrastructure and how we operate. So Royce, welcome uh, to the office and, and welcome to the podcast. It's a pleasure to be here today, Dr. Weaver. You know, we had a, we had a really nice uh, turnout at the uh, open forum earlier today, and we're going to talk in a little while about some of the things we heard and some of the discussion that took place, but uh, were you uh, surprised uh, by the turnout of folks. I think every table was full. If I... I, I was pleasantly surprised. I was hoping for a good turnout, but I think it did exceed what I was looking for. Uh, I, and I really was happy to see such a good mix of faculty and staff. It was really a broad representation of the campus community that was there. Agreed. I thought it was very nice, and, and I, I was a couple years ago, really, I was talking to some students about things we could do to make their life better. And, you know, I started talking to the group about, you know, when you sell a product, uh, you go back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? You have to satisfy people's uh, needs for shelter, needs for food, you know, the basic things that are required in life before they can really start thinking about other things, right? Like which classes should I take? Which, you know, they, they have to feel comfortable that they're gonna have a place to live, they're gonna have food to eat, they're gonna be safe, they're gonna... And one of the students in the room, a couple, you know, probably 30 minutes later, made a comment that, yeah, you know, remember what Dr. Weaver was saying about the, the important things in life like, like uh, food and shelter and Wi-Fi. And I thought, well, Maslow's uh, hierarchy didn't include Wi-Fi, but, in today's world, uh, I think our students think of Wi-Fi almost like they think about air. Then that, that's true. So when you look at what our students, especially our residents' needs are, and how that varies with the faculty and staff needs, when, when the faculty and staff are here, they're here typically from 8 to 5, and they need technology and Wi-Fi to support their job. But the residents live here. This is their life, and it's got to support it's got to support certainly their instruction I mean that's what they're here for but so much more than that uh, the, the quality of life it's uh, we, we rely on inner you know interconnectivity to the internet uh, to uh, for entertainment that's how we get our news it's how we it's how we stay connected with the outside world it is and I and I say that and I say I, I connect it back to a student because the student made the comment but uh, the, you know, the more that I think about it, you know, when I come to the office, I don't sit at my computer. I sit, I get my, my iPad out and I sit at a table in my office and work on my iPad. It's not connected to anything physically. Right. Uh, when I go home, I have my iPad and I'm watching TV and I'm 
you know, doing stuff on my iPad or sometimes I'm watching the Chicago Cubs on my iPad. Right. And again, I'm not sitting at the computer doing that. And so uh, it's, as, it's as much a part of my life and I assume right. all of our lives. And so it, it really has become a utility uh, to some degree. You flip the light switch, you expect the lights to go on. Right. Uh, you f- open your iPad, you expect to be able to mm-hmm. get the Chicago Cubs when you need them. So, um, and, and lately it's been painful to watch the Cubs, but we're... The, the podcast is not about the, the downfall of the Chicago Cubs this year. Unless, gonna, I, but we could talk about the Braves, I think. You know, that, they're they're doing pretty good. They are, and we certainly can take some solace in that. All right, well, we, uh, we get started every week with information about student success here at Georgia Southwestern. And so uh, the, uh, the big update this week is that we uh, had to drop students for non-payment. Uh, This is one of the most uh, difficult things I think we do institutionally every year. Um, I think all of us wish every student that wanted to come could come and could, and every student that was capable of being successful here at the university could stay at the university. And uh, unfortunately, that's just not the case. Uh, we are, we, we are in, in many ways, a business. And just like any business, you do have to pay uh, for the product and to be a part. And so each year, uh, we drop students there at this point in the semester for non-payment. Generally speaking, we drop in the neighborhood of, of 100 to 130 students. And uh, this year, I'm very, very pleased to say that uh, we've only dropped 37 students for non-payment. Um, and and that's, that's a lot of hard work has gone in by a lot of people. Uh, faculty, staff uh, have, have really done incredible work identifying the students that were in danger of being dropped. Our, our initial list was up at, at about 400 who still owed money uh, three weeks ago. And they have worked with all of those students, the phone calls, the emails, the text messages, uh, going through financial aid, um, making sure that students have all their ducks in a row. And that number came all the way down to 37. And uh, while I feel terrible about the 37, I think we should all be incredibly pleased and very appreciative of the folks who work so hard uh, to find ways for the other 370 to stick around. And uh, really very, very appreciative of that work. And, and I, I don't know all of the people who have been a part of that. I just know that it takes uh, people in the business office, people in financial aid, people in first-year experience, people in admissions, uh, you know, everywhere across people campus. People in IT. People in IT, <laughs> absolutely. And uh, faculty members being involved and making sure students are getting the information. And so it's, it's, a, it's a bunch of people doing great work. And, uh, and that number, of course, at the end of the day helps institutionally. It helps because enrollment stays high. You know, if, we, if, if we're lazy, I shouldn't say lazy. If if we if we uh, if we take it easy on a couple and we cut eighty instead of forty, you know that's that's another one percent decline in our student population. So it, it makes a huge difference. And so I want to thank everybody out there who worked so hard to make that happen. And I want everybody to know that that 
that helps us. Last week we were down about 30, uh, 32, 35 students. And so if we cut another 37, you know, we're down a total um, somewhere in the, in the 40 or 80, uh, sorry, about you know, 70 to 80 students uh, headcount from last year. Our, our credit hour production will remain um, a, a little bit better than that. So uh, if, you, if you think about from a student uh, perspective, that puts us down a little over 2% in headcount. Now, uh, earlier or later this month, actually next week, next Thursday, uh, I will be heading over to uh, China to see our friends at Joko Normal University, along with uh, Dr. Suzanne Smith and um, Linda Lee Purvis, and uh, Christy's going to be joining us. And we are going to meet uh, 118 GSW students who are taking classes in China as a part of our partnership with Joko Normal. And we are excited to be able to welcome them to the GSW family and add them to our enrollment count. And so if all 118 show up uh, and our uh, head count right now is down about 70, uh, we think that we'll be able to add those 118 and our head count act number will actually go up uh, this semester. And so we're, we're very excited to be able to do that. Uh, I'm excited about the trip. Uh, we'll, we'll have a great time on a podcast a couple weeks from now talking about China and the things that uh, are part of that trip, but we are very much looking forward to meeting those students and their parents. I think I get a chance to speak with their parents uh, as well, so I'll have to, I have to work on my Chinese. I think I know how to say one word, ni hao. I think that's hello, I hope. Uh, somebody will tell me if it's not, I'm sure. But uh, I hope it's not, here, take my wallet. <laughs> Right. I certainly hope not. Uh, they didn't take it last time, so that's that's where we're headed next week, and uh, we're looking forward to uh, a really fun trip, and um, that will hopefully push us back over the uh, into the plus side on the headcount for our enrollment numbers. A uh, couple of things happened this week. A lot of a lot of fun, as uh, is always the case. Uh, had got to go to the Regents meeting on Tuesday. If you've never been to a Regents meeting, I can assure you that it is spectacular, and uh, the food is better than uh, you might think. And uh, we have a great time seeing all of our friends from other institutions and talking about uh, the University System of Georgia. And so we had a we had a nice meeting on uh, Tuesday, uh, came back Tuesday night, we had the Chamber Concert Series, uh, an event, uh, first one of the season, and we had a, um, I'm probably gonna mess this up, but a mezzo-soprano uh, opera singer and uh, a young lady that played the piano uh, beautifully. Uh, they did a great job, a talent, super talented, I mean, uh, clearly, uh, great singer, great piano player, but they interacted with the audience really, really well. And uh, our, our softball, members of our softball team were there, members of the baseball team were there. And I think uh, they had a great time interacting with the performer. They all, actually, they all stayed after to uh, take pictures with, uh, with our performers. And um, it was just a really, really fun night and she did a great job. And so uh, that was a lot of fun. Got to go to uh, Columbus uh, on Wednesday, spent some time with some donors. At, uh, in Columbus and then turned around the next day and Steven Snyder and I headed over to Columbus, spent some time with Dan and Ann Helms. Uh, Dan is uh, about 90 years old, graduated from 
uh, GSW back in the uh, early 1950s when we were a two-year school and uh, he went on to serve in the Korean War and uh, graduated eventually from Georgia Tech with his uh, bachelor's degree uh, he's lived in the same house in Columbus for 50 years along with his wife Ann and uh, so we had a great visit with them and uh, really talked about the university and some of the things that he remembered and uh, so that was a lot of fun. So, you know, the, the things that we get to do uh, here at the university are a lot of fun. Came back from meeting with Dan and spent uh, some time looking over the ACE building and having our last conversation with the Board of Regents for uh, the ACE building, which we're getting ready to renovate. I think we are uh, just, a, just a day or two away from putting that out for bid and uh, getting that project uh, closer to actually seeing some of that work take off so uh, i know that i know that you're involved with that's right uh, the ace building and making sure that building is going to be uh prepared brought for, up to speed uh, the new uh, cabling for the network and all new switches and yeah. the technology that's going to be put in there to support the business units that are moving into that space yeah it should be a I, we saw some pictures yesterday uh the final uh renderings that the architects put together i think it's going to be really uh, really fun uh, building and fun project and I think we're all going to enjoy it very much uh, later this month uh, next week actually the 17th I think we opened the bids for the baseball softball indoor complex and I hope everybody will uh, keep their fingers crossed uh, we really need that project to come in at a good number uh, small projects like that sometimes have a tendency to get way out of line uh, just because it's a small project and for whatever reason, the bidding sometimes forces those uh, above where we'd like. But And speaking of technology, you wouldn't immediately think about it, but yes, a hitting facility has to be technologically enriched, and we, the, the hitting facility will have Wi-Fi. All right. I, I, I guess I probably wouldn't have thought that it needed it, but uh, I can see where there would be a lot of applications for what the coaches do. There's office do and, space in there, and they, yeah. they'll need full connectivity. That's right. Yeah. And so much of, uh, I saw a thing the other day, they put a thing on the bat, on the end of the bat, and they swing it, and it can track it. And so, yeah, I mean, it, right. they could certainly uh, use that. So, um, well, I'm glad to know you're involved and that you're going to take care of our folks down there with their needs. Uh, I do want to mention uh, Gold Force Thursdays. It's an uh, initiative that really came out of athletics. But yesterday... Uh, got to go around campus and and uh, christy had a chance to go to the faculty staff uh giving um popcorn event and and she said man almost everybody in there was wearing gold it was amazing and and i know the education department had, took a picture with uh, a whole bunch of people wearing gold and uh, i go all over town and and people are aware of it. Uh, many people are saying, "Oh, I just bought something gold," or "I'm, I, you know, I, I'm, I, I got to go get something." Uh, it's really uh, exciting to see, and it's exciting to see it kind of grow, really taking off. Right? And the students are really buying into it as well. Yeah, and so that makes it fun, and I, I hope everybody will uh, keep it, keep doing it. I, I, I hear from a number of people, "I don't look very good in gold," and I say, "Well, uh, first of all, I think they all look beautiful in gold, but." Um, whether you look good in gold or not, it's the process of, of thinking for one day, 
I'm going to think about my university and put something on and be a part of the team, right? Be part of the spirit. And uh, there's a lot of, you know, we could have picked blue, I guess, but uh, you, you have to intentionally pick something gold to wear. It really That's pops a, out when you see the students walking across campus and you can see, see the gold. Does. I agree. So I'm excited about it. I want to thank everybody for participating in that and uh, making that something that uh, everybody can enjoy. So uh, Saturday, we have a couple of soccer games, uh, 5.30. I think the men play at 5.30, followed by the women's game. So great time uh, again on Saturday if you want to wear your gold. Uh, you can wear it out there and cheer on the teams. This event, this Saturday, I think is the um, water slides. Uh, so they're going to have several water slides and I don't know what all they're going to have out there. So if you got, you know, if you want to bring your kids, bring your uh, nieces, nephews, uh, people you find on your street, uh, whatever it might be, or you, heck, if you want to wear your bathing suit and just come on out and slide down the slides and be a part of that, you're more than welcome. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, our teams have been playing really well, and uh, we're expecting some good games on Saturday. So I hope everybody will come out and enjoy that. All right. Royce, we spent some time earlier today talking about technology here on campus, and so we wanted to continue that conversation today that uh, if people weren't with us at the open uh, forum, that they could hear some of the information. So I know that you spent some time talking about kind of what we're doing now, what's being actually implemented at the moment, but also some of the things that we see coming down right. the pike. So uh, why don't you help us out with some of that information, and then uh, we'll talk about some of the other things that came up today. So, uh, when we first initially looked at some of the strategic needs when you started your presidency, we, we identified some uh, main infrastructure needs to keep the network up and running. Uh, we, we were looking at things like our core router and our firewall, uh, not very exciting technology if uh, people aren't directly involved with it, but when you work in IT, and you know that the existing firewall maybe is a little bit older and maybe a little bit slower, it really fires us up, no pun intended, uh, to replace the firewall with something that can handle the increased capacity, the increased speeds that uh, people are really looking for right now. So th that was uh, a heavy duty resource investment that we made a little over a year ago. And more recently, we've been focusing on a little bit uh, sexier aspect of the technology upgrades. We're currently in the process of replacing all of what we call the corporate Wi-Fi. We separate our network internet traffic into two, two types, the corporate traffic and the residence hall traffic, because we have a different approach to the way we manage the, the two types. The residence hall traffic is more open. There, you, can, you can do more things like uh, collaborate. The students can collaborate and play games with each other. It's more open to, uh, the, to the types of entertainment applications like Netflix and Amazon. So we, we've got that residence hall network set up to support that. The corporate network is more set up to look at supporting the applications and the technology we need to keep the administrative and the academic offices open. So right now we're replacing all of the corporate Wi-Fi. Uh, the existing system is, was, was a great system when we deployed it uh, 10 years ago. It was uh, top-of-the-line Cisco wireless, but it's time to replace that. So we're going to replace every last single access point on campus. So it's 
newer and faster, uh, capable of uh, greater throughput, connecting more people to each access point at a time. So I think it's going to be really exciting. I think people are really going to see a difference. In, are in access their... points easy to get to, or do you have to climb a ladder, get inside a roof? I mean... So they're all different. Uh, so the access point here in your office is above the roof, and you can't see it. So Dean Crumbly, our system administrator, he really wants to get that out and drill some holes over your desk and put dust all over it so he can actually move the access point into your room. So some of them you have to crawl through the attic, some of them are more visible. Uh, it, it really is a case by case. Uh, a lot of times if there's a drop ceiling in a, like a, cla a class building, yeah. we'll put them above the drop ceiling. To How many total access points and maybe you can't be specific but generally speaking how i'd many? say about 300 on the corporate 300 on the corporate side wow. and we're looking at about 425 down the road we're looking at uh not not far down the road but soon down the road uh, doing a similar complete replacement of the residence hall wi-fi as well and we're looking at about 425 or so access points in the residence halls really so so 400 about about the same number inside the residence halls right. as we have right. all over the rest of campus. All over the rest of campus. So uh, tells you a little bit about the traffic. <laughs> well, the, that that's right. Uh, the, Consolidation of people, and, I guess, and and the need too, because yeah. the uh, a lot of what the activity the students are doing in the residence halls, by its very nature, is very bandwidth intensive. Yeah. Uh, when when I go home at night, I'm watching. Amazon Prime or Netflix, and mm -hmm. and my son may be on another TV in the in the house watching Netflix, and that takes a lot of bandwidth. and And your students as well today uh, are connected in more than one way. So, like you said, you go home and you're on your iPad. So they're they're maybe uh, streaming the game on their computer, but they're looking up the statistics on their iPad, and then they've got their phone connected to the Wi-Fi, and maybe they're doing Facebook on another device. So it's not it's not unusual for a student to have four or five devices connected simultaneously. Mm, that's amazing. Now, you, we also are, are doing something with the um, storage. Right. And, so uh, we, we've been able to, fortunately, make some investments in our data center over time. So we, we don't have to replace everything in the data center. We've made some heavy-duty investments over the last three or four years. Uh, a year ago, we put in a very nice generator system, so we've got backup electrical power, uh, but we were able to leverage that during M Michael, when uh, Michael hit us. Uh, the, the entire area didn't have power, and we had a generator on the data center, so if, if a student was in Americas and didn't have power, they might have difficulty connecting and doing their work. But any student that's online anywhere else in the world, we never lost connectivity wow. to that student from our data center. So we've got the generator in there. We've done a lot of investment in the cooling. And there again, air conditioning might not be a very sexy IT topic. But when I've got a primary and secondary air conditioner, and then if both of those go down, we've got a tertiary air conditioner. So we're real good. Uh, you don't want that equipment overheating yeah. and, and bringing it down. So we've made investments in that. So what we're looking at now is replacing all of our storage area network and our storage array. So we're going to increase the storage capacity by probably a factor of eight times, eight times as much storage. Mm -hmm. and 
that's very exciting for us. We want to be able to give the faculty and staff and students the, the capacity to be able to store and, and, and manipulate their documents. And when you, when you save your documents on, on my storage, uh, it's protected. I back, I back those up. You, you, know, you don't have to worry about losing, losing that information. And, I, and when we talked about this originally, I, I didn't even understand really why that would be necessary. I mean, I, I, as I said, I, mean, I, I spend most of my time on my iPad. Right. Uh, and when I do work on my computer, I save it on a little uh, thumb drive. Uh, I, that's what I work off of. And so I thought, well, that, I don't understand. But uh, there are a lot of systems, uh, information here at, on the university campus that, that people save. Right every day and they use it to collaborate so if you have an area you might create a, a shared storage space where financial aid and student accounts and the registrar they could all collaborate in that space and share documents and for uh, the academic side it's great for faculty because a faculty member can go into any classroom on campus log into their computer and all their files their are right stuff. there and so that's the that's the that's the rub right you if you kept all of that information on everybody's individual computer right then it wouldn't be available. And if that computer no crashes and it's not backed up, that data's gone. It's, it's gone or if so. you, it's on your flash drive and you lose your flash drive, it's gone. Yeah. Right. Oh, don't say that. I'm going to China. I certainly hope so I don't lose back my flash drive. Back it up. Drive. I'm have back to, it up. I'm going to have to have two flash drives. That's right. Now. I understand. All right. But, you know, but you, you know, you, as, as, again, maybe it was just my lack of, of understanding, but that not only do you need the storage, but you need more and more storage right. all the time because the people time. are creating more information and we're having to hold more information. And so whenever we get to our maximum capacity, then we have to make decisions. What and do we get rid of to free up space? Right. And, and well, we have to keep that information for, you know, financial aid audits or uh, whatever it might be. And all of a sudden we're in a bind. And so staying ahead of that is really important and, it is. and valuable for the institution. So I, I, you know, again, it's it's an expense that you know. Every time we talk, you know, I, and I've said this before, IT. Every time we have a conversation about IT, it you know, we start with a hundred thousand dollars, right? And then we and we go from there. And so it's always uh, a little difficult to say we're going to spend how much money, right? But then when you realize, you know, this this university or any business, you know, just doesn't operate if you don't right. have these critical. Uh, components right. that, that make it possible. And the goalposts keep moving. So we, we put in a system, we leverage technology in a certain way, and then we have to implement a new application that leverages technology. And we keep adding more and more application that allows us to gain efficiencies in our business operations, but it places more and more of a, a burden, if you will, on the infrastructure and the computing resources necessary to run yeah. it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. We, we, uh, we find ways to be more efficient through technology, but you better have the technology right. to make it happen. Uh, we're going we're gonna to follow up with some more of the uh, topics that were discussed this after, or earlier today. Uh, but I want to I hit on a few events that are uh, coming up. Uh, I think most of them are coming up. Well, no. A couple next week. Uh, next week, September 17th. I think that's Tuesday, Constitution Day. We'll be celebrating here on campus with some activities, and I think they're gonna be handing out constitutions to uh, folks on campus. So if you don't have a copy of the constitution, would like to have one, uh, come on down to campus. 
then on Wednesday, September 18th, we'll be hosting the uh, POW MIA Convocation in uh, partnership with the uh, Andersonville um, National Park and uh, their uh, efforts to bring attention to and, and uh, information about uh, prisoners of war and those still missing in action. And so that's something we get to host every year. We'll be doing that uh, throughout the week. Uh, I think it's been some of the events this week and I, and I would assume throughout the rest of the month. Uh, this is suicide prevention uh, time of the year and we really wanna make sure we're having those conversations on campus. Uh, obviously, uh, uh, that, that, is a, that is the worst possible outcome for any of us and, uh, and any of our students or any of our uh, faculty, staff, community members, whatever the case. And so we wanna make sure we're having those conversations and people that need the resources that we have available here at the university, we wanna make sure they're aware of them. So uh, pay attention uh, to what's available and participate in those events and activities. And then coming up a little bit next, uh, early next month, uh, the day of giving, October 10th. I wanted to just kinda throw that plug out there uh, right now, we have the faculty and staff campaign going on on campus where uh, folks can make a contribution to the university through the foundation, support the uh, things that they like to support, whether that's scholarships or the, uh, the chamber concert series or the athletic department or uh, faculty travel or you know whatever it might be that somebody wants to be a part of and wants to help support, they can do that through their faculty and staff giving and I want to encourage folks to continue to do that but the day of giving follows on October 10th and that would be an opportunity for people in our community whether that's here in Americas or whether it's part of the GSW family and alumni that live all over the world we want to stop for a day on October 10th and uh, make a gift to GSW so we are working towards uh, that day and uh, looking forward to that uh, earlier this week, I know that we all stopped for a moment to remember uh, the 9-11 uh, activities and uh, remember the attack that uh, was from in New York uh, on the United States. And um, certainly as I was traveling around, there was a lot of discussion about that and remembering. Um, and I want to thank uh, the students. Earlier today, I had somebody give me a rock. Uh, and you think, well, maybe, why would somebody give you a rock? Well, uh, we've had the Kindness Rock Project going on uh, this week on campus. Uh, started with 9-11 uh, and uh, really was to bring attention to the power of kindness and what kindness can do for all of us. And so these rocks were uh, painted up and um, there's nice sayings on there. Have a good day. You know, you look great today. I don't know what they all say, but they're all very, you know, very nice. Uh, positive comments and um, and they've been placed around campus and and uh, so I, I got one today at lunch and I was told to put it somewhere where somebody would see it and hopefully it would make their day better so I want to thank our students for uh, the, pr the project and for uh, using uh, a what what is a, uh, a difficult day in our country's history to uh, remind ourselves that if we're kind to each other we can all make each other's days a little bit better and a little bit brighter. Um, now, next week, uh, we have, uh, we're welcoming back to campus our consultants, uh, Dr. Sal Ranella and David Tanner, who are working with us, and particularly with our faculty, 
on some academic planning. They'll be meeting with students. They'll be meeting with uh, community members from here in America. So they'll also be going down to Albany to uh, talk to a group of professionals uh, down in the Albany area. And I, I know Dr. Smith was up in Macon earlier this week for an Eggs and Issues event. They're really starting to try to discover um, what are the economic development issues in our community and how do we align our academic programs uh, with those needs. So the folks that are participating, if you'd like to participate, uh, they will be here this week. I think there's an open uh, student roundtable on Monday from 5 to 7 that students can be a part of. And... Uh, I know that there'll be some opportunities for faculty also to be involved, so I want to uh, remind people about that. Um, all right, so Royce, the, some of the other things that came up today I thought were pretty interesting. Obviously, cybersecurity is a major right. concern. Um, people need to not ever put their credentials into the computer for anything. Right. And uh, uh, that continues to happen from time to time. And I know we're gonna we're gonna do some things to try to uh, keep that from, not necessarily to keep people from doing it, but to keep uh, to keep our information safe after they do it, right? right? Uh, so tell us about how we're gonna do that. I guess it's the dual uh, authentication. So multi-factor, multi-factor authentication right? is critical, and it's really becoming infused in our society. So I think a lot of people are now are seeing that more and more with their when they go to log into their bank account or they go to log into their facebook uh, it tells them to set up multi-factor so what that means is when you go to log in yes you put your credentials in your username and password but then it'll do a second thing like call your phone or text you uh, a string of characters that you would then enter into the window to uh, ensure let the application know that it really is you that is attempting to log in so we've been moving forward with that on a lot of our mission critical systems i I really hope there's no hackers or evil perpetrators out there listening to the podcast because we don't want them to know all our tricks that we're putting in place but we've we've put multi-factor authentication onto uh, some of our most mission critical applications so for example uh, a faculty or staff member can't change their direct deposit information online without the application sending them a, a text message or calling their phone and, and, and making them verify that it's them so that uh, somebody in uh, a foreign country, a foreign foreign threat actor couldn't couldn't compromise that those deposits, those funds. So we've done that on our on our payroll, our human resources system. We've put that on the uh, system, our student information system, which we call Banner. That's uh, that's probably to me our most mission critical IT system. Uh, Banner stores all of our students' grades, so that is what we sell you know that's the record of the uh, academic achievement of anyone who has ever uh, attended the institution so we absolutely have to protect that and we don't want any one gaining access to that information or changing that information that doesn't have access so to get into that you have to have multi-factor so we're spreading out from that and putting multi-factor on some other applications like email and on uh, 
what we call the learning management system, which at Georgia Southwestern is D2L. That's the online system that all courses use uh, to give instructional materials to students, whether it's an online class or a face-to-face -face class. If it's strictly an online class, it would use D2L to, to allow the students to interact with the professor. Uh, there's online collaboration spaces and chat rooms, and you can log in and have virtual office hours with the uh, professor. So and we call it we call it Georgia View. That's our brand. So uh, we'll be putting multi-factor on that moving forward to to protect that environment too. It's not as critical as payroll, but you mm -hmm. still don't want someone logging into a faculty member's Georgia View environment and changing yeah. the student records there. And and you know, and I don't know how much everybody else knows, but these things are happening. Um, we institutionally are getting attacked every day uh, every day and uh, throughout the system it's happening at every institution every day and and we've had numerous uh, events across the system where schools have been infiltrated right. where uh, money has been uh, redirected to other places than where it was supposed to go uh, and then of course if you lose social security numbers or uh, personal identification types of things then the institution not only has to pay a fine uh, but also has to then provide uh, uh, mm -hmm. I guess security for all of those individuals for a number of years and and the cost to uh, losing your data is significant right and uh, we institutionally we can't afford it system-wide we can't afford it and I and I know you you are probably uh, getting all kinds of, of information about how critical important right. this is not just locally but throughout the system it's very important and one of the main things is to do your due diligence and to follow the industry best practices and guidelines. So the university system has recently invested in cybersecurity insurance. So in order for the cybersecurity insurance to be valid and to pay, you've got to be able to demonstrate that you've done your due diligence yeah. and you've done what you're supposed to do. So if you can document that, you've got your controls in place and you're doing what you're supposed to do, then you, you can rest with some more ease because the uh, insurance does help to mitigate some of that some risk of that cost yeah i'm going to i'm going to read off some of the topics that were shared at the forum today I, I don't think we need to talk about all of them but i wanted to read them off and uh, see if there are one or two that maybe got your attention mm -hmm. or that you thought were were really something that uh, were important we talked about uh, charging stations i mean it sounds rather simple right but charging stations in more of our uh, classrooms and more of our labs and having access to charging stations we talked about wireless printing uh, particularly in the library and the ability to access our, our printers uh, through wireless uh, as people use their wireless uh, uh, devices access to buildings 24 hours a day and i would assume that would be through the card readers like we use over in the residence halls, uh, but being able to, uh, for students to get in and access their buildings. Uh, we talked about um, a universal clicker. I, I, I think that's a, something the students buy uh, in order to participate in class. Uh, we talked about course development specialists to help faculty members develop online courses, uh, you know, take the information and turn it into a good online course. 
We talked about a digital document solution. We talked about um, course scheduling software. We talked about uh, faculty training for how to use some of this new technology that we uh, bring to campus. We talked about smart boards and, uh, and dry erase boards and trying to bring all of our classes up to, uh, up to the, the, the newest technology. And then one that I, I know you're uh, a big fan of, uh, the, but facility scheduling, making sure we can schedule all of our classes and, and office space and, and, and meeting space. Uh, easier. So those are some of the things that were discussed today. Any of those uh, kind of stand out as as things that that are obvious? They're all good to talk about, but that are on your agenda. So one of the things that really struck me as I thought about it after the meeting was that were, were the common threads that ran through that, and and two of them, two of the common threads I thought one is improving the student experience, whether that's the student experience in the classroom or outside the classroom? How can we minimize frustration to our students? So uh, document management, it's, it's something that would certainly help the student experience. If a student has to print out a form and then take that to three different offices to get it signed in order to uh, maybe get an excuse for an athletic event that they're participating in. That can be frustrating for the student if that's something that can be processed electronically. Uh, the clickers, uh, it, uh, enhancing the student experience and collaborative experience in the classroom and allowing the student not just sit there and receive instruction, but actually to be able to participate and, and engage with the uh, flow of information that's taking place. Uh, the, the charging stations for the computers, you know, it's, you say, okay, well, yeah, yeah, I'll just bring it to class charged up. Well, we have these Saturday classes that are all day, and when the classrooms were built, you had long rows of tables in these theater-style classrooms, and the students would sit in there, and it would accommodate them comfortably with their books, but now they're sitting in there with their laptops, and the long rows of tables don't have electrical outlets built into them. Our newer facilities do. So how do we retrofit these to allow the student, if, if their laptop goes dead, hmm. then that, that's a problem if, if they're using that to follow Spend along. Spend some time in the airport, and you'll see uh, right. <laughs> what it looks that's like right. when people's uh, items are going dead, right? Everybody's sitting on the floor right next to the wall. And another theme, uh, there was improving the student experience, but another theme I think that came across was uh, securing the human, you know, making sure that we've got a safe environment for our students. Uh, some of the faculty and staff talked about uh, augmenting the access to some of our buildings to allow students possibly to get in after hours, uh, but only allowing certain students, you know, with the authority to swipe their card and get in. So we, we have a lot of great technical access controls on campus. Our, our residence hall access is state-of-the-art. So uh, absolutely, residents only have access to the to the buildings and the rooms they're allowed to. But I, I I heard some feedback that said it would be nice if we could expand that to some of the other areas on campus. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Those are all good things, and and uh, I think another one of the themes uh, was was making sure that uh, that the faculty have the support that they need, whether it's training on the new equipment or. Uh, support in developing uh, courses and, and, and content 
that works well in the online environment. Uh, and that's, that is absolutely huge. So when, when a faculty member is teaching in a strictly online environment, it's, it's absolutely different from a face-to-face -face classroom. You, you, you don't assess what's going on the same way. So you have to come up with new tips and tricks, if yeah. you will, in order to provide the faculty member with the feedback they know, they need to know to, to assess how successful they're being with the class. Yeah. Yeah, so there's, there's a lot of good stuff on there. Uh, I know we have lots of, uh, we have several committees across campus that uh, engage in this kind of discussion. And I would just encourage uh, those folks out there who uh, want to be a part of this discussion or have ideas or want to make sure that, that uh, we are prioritizing these things appropriately, uh, that they get involved with these committees. We have, uh, we have numerous, I, I know you listed about four right. different committees that are involved in this. And so I just encourage people to, to take advantage of that system. It's set up to inform us and to help our discussion. Uh, and if somebody feels like they're not being heard or not being included in the discussion, uh, they should take advantage of those right. opportunities because we do listen. And these are open meetings too. The IT steering committee meetings are once a month, the last Thursday of every month at three o'clock in Morgan Hall. So those meetings are open and they're, they're open to not just faculty and staff. If you're a community member and you're uh, wanting to know more about technology uh, within the campus and how Georgia Southwestern is interfacing with partnering with areas uh, in the community to to help uh, better connect Americas to the outside world and how these conversations are taking place yeah are absolutely encouraged to come well that's uh, that's important and it's important for all of our folks to be involved and Royce I want to thank you for coming and spending some time with us it today was my pleasure thank you for inviting me I want to uh, uh, I, I want to make sure that uh, take just a moment here at the end uh, earlier uh, this week we had uh, we had a funeral service for uh, Billy Cooper, a longtime employee of the university. I think Billy was here for 40 years, uh, worked with us in our uh, physical plant, and was a mechanic for us. His wife Judy, also a 40-year uh, employee here at the university, and his sister Mary still works with us here at the university, and uh, just. Uh, terrible loss for not only the university but for the community he was a very active member of uh, the fire department and uh, was beloved uh, not just here but in the communities that he served and so we wanted to uh, remember billy today and and particularly remember uh, judy and mary and their loss and uh, remind folks that this is a family campus it is uh, a family of people who work here and and uh, make this place a special place it's the people that we get to work with and and be around every day and and uh, when we all uh, work together this can be a really fabulous place to be and we can solve some of these problems uh, make our place uh, technologically advanced and and uh, make sure our students are learning and safe and having a good time and all those things so uh, again, want to uh, thank Royce for being with us today. I hope everybody has a great weekend. Come on out on Saturday evening, watch our uh, hurricane soccer teams uh, in action, and uh, we'll. I, and I will not. We won't be back next uh, next week because I'll be in China, uh, leaving Thursday morning, heading off to China. So I'll, I'll be gone next week. But uh, the following 
Uh, following week will be close too. I get back on Friday. I don't know how I'll be feeling, but we'll uh, we'll be back as soon as we can, and we'll be talking about our relationship with Joko Normal and uh, some of the things we got to see and do in China. And uh, hopefully we'll be getting close to the final enrollment numbers as well. So I hope everybody has a good couple of weeks and we'll see you back here on What's in the Cup sometime around the uh, beginning of October. <music>